Welcome to the Folktale Project, this is Dan Scholes, and today we have the second part of the story of Bluebeard, and really this tale needs very little introduction, and so let's pick back up with Bluebeard. After having somewhat recovered her surprise, she took up the key, locked the door, and went upstairs into her chamber to recover herself. But she could not, so much was she frightened. Having observed that the key of the closet was stained with blood, she tried two or three times to wipe it off, but the blood would not come out. In vain did she wash it, and even rub it with soap and sand. The blood still remained, for the key was magical, and she could never make it quite clean. When the blood was gone off of one side, it came again on the other. Bluebeard returned from his journey the same evening, and said he had received letters upon the road informing him that the affair he went about was ended to his advantage. His wife did all she could to convince him she was extremely glad of his speedy return. Next morning he asked her for the keys, which she gave him, but with such a trembling hand that he easily guessed what had happened. What? said he. Is not the key of my closet among the rest? I must certainly she said, have left it upon the table. Fail not, said Bluebeard, to bring it presently. After several goings backwards and forwards, she was forced to bring him the key. Bluebeard, having very attentively considered it, said to his wife, How comes this blood upon the key? I do not know, cried the poor woman, paler than death. You do not know, replied Bluebeard. I very well know. You were resolved to go into the closet, were you not? Mighty well, madam, you shall go in and take your place among the ladies you saw there. Upon this, she threw herself at her husband's feet and begged his pardon with all the signs of a true repentance, vowing that she would never more be disobedient. She would have melted a rock, so beautiful and sorrowful was she, but Bluebeard had a heart harder than any rock. You must die, madam said he, and that presently. Since I must die, answered she, looking upon him with her eyes all bathed in tears, give me some little time to say my prayers. I give you, replied Bluebeard, half a quarter of an hour, but not one moment more. When she was alone, she called out to her sister and said to her, Sister Anne, for that was her name, go up, I beg you, upon the top of the tower, and look if my brothers are not coming. They promised me that they would come today, and if you see them, give them a sign to make haste. Her sister Anne went up to the top of the tower, and the poor afflicted wife cried out from time to time, Anne, Sister Anne, do you see anyone coming? And Sister Anne said, I see nothing but the sun which makes the dust, and the grass which looks green. In the meanwhile, Bluebeard, holding a great saber in his hand, cried out as long as he could bawl to his wife, Come down instantly, or I shall come up to you. One moment longer, if you please, said his wife, and then she cried out softly, Anne, Sister Anne, dost thou see anybody coming? And Sister Anne answered, I see nothing but the sun which makes the dust and the grass which is green. Come down quickly, cried Bluebeard, or I will come up to you. I'm coming, answered his wife, and then she cried, Anne, oh, Sister Anne, Dost thou not see anyone coming? I see, replied Sister Anne, a great dust which comes up on this side here. Are they my brothers? 
Alas, no, dear sister, I see a flock of sheep. Will you not come down? cried Bluebeard. One moment longer, said his wife, and then she cried out, Anne, sister Anne, dost thou see nobody coming? I see, said she, two horsemen, but they are yet a great way off. God be praised, replied the poor wife joyfully. They are my brothers. I will make them a sign as well as I can for them to make haste. Then Bluebeard bawled out so loud that he made the whole house tremble. The distressed wife came down and threw herself at his feet, all in tears with her hair about her shoulders. This signifies nothing, said Bluebeard. You must die. Then, taking hold of her hair with one hand and lifting up the sword with the other, he was going to take off her head. The poor lady, turning about to him and looking at him with dying eyes, desired him to afford her one little moment to recollect herself. No, no, said he, recommend thyself to God, and was just ready to strike. At this very instant, there was such a loud knocking at the gate that Bluebeard made a sudden stop. The gate was opened, and presently entered two horsemen, who, drawing their swords, ran directly to Bluebeard. He knew them to be his wife's brothers, one a dragoon, the other a musketeer, so that he ran away immediately to save himself. But the two brothers pursued so close that they overtook him before he could get to the steps of the porch, when they ran their swords through his body and left him dead. The poor wife was almost as dead as her husband, and had not strength enough to rise and welcome her brothers. Bluebeard had no heirs, and so his wife became mistress of all his estate. She made use of one part of it to marry her sister Anne to a young gentleman who had loved her a long while, another part to buy captain's commissions for her brothers, and the rest to marry herself to a very worthy gentleman, who made her forget all the ill time she had passed with Bluebeard. And that is the very disturbing story of Bluebeard, a murderous husband who is eventually taken down by his brothers-in-law. This is Dan Scholes for the Folktale Project. Don't forget that you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Overcast, anywhere you like to get your podcasts. You can follow us on Threads and Instagram at Folktale Project. And you can find us wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. As always, thank you so much for listening.